You know, one of the most beautiful things about being in church and church culture is grace. And the grace of God so that when we mess up, there is no judgment or comments. We simply smile and go like, isn't God good? Right? <laughs> wow. You're thinking, who's, who's this old man? Where's Pastor Kerry? That's not Pastor Kerry. That's true. Pastor Kerry is with family in Indiana, and it's my pleasure to be able to uh, be a part of this church family. This is my church, uh, and yet I've pastored 37 years, and so I was elected in August, uh, actually last March, but started August 1st as a district superintendent, which means there's 105 churches. You are one of the 105 churches. You see me and you don't see me because out of that, I often have to go and speak at other churches. Uh, so like this is the only Sunday in January I think I'm going to get to be here. Uh, often I'm working through a translator, and so I'm really excited this morning. I don't think I need a translator. Uh, if you don't understand anything, ask my wife. She'll interpret it for you because she's learned how to do that. Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Uh, as you turn there, I want to simply talk about that we are part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. As a denomination, we have over 2,000 churches here in the States. There are over 6 million worldwide. We have uh, over 700 missionaries in 70 different countries around the world. And so we're very much about sending the gospel message to unreached people groups. So out of the 700 missionaries, 80% of those are in the, what we call the 1040 window, which is an area that is hard to reach or can't be reached. There, we have missionaries in areas that we can't call them missionaries as we have to have creative access. Anyway, I say that because we're starting off 2022 with 40 days of prayer. And so what you have here is the web link that allows you to participate in 40 days of prayer for awakening, for our area, our state, our country and our world. And so I really want to encourage you to participate. There are a daily devotional. It's probably 300 words or less. I wrote one of those. Um, and then there's a video participation on each Wednesday for those who want to participate. God always responds to the request of his people. And I wanted to point out that in Luke 18 this morning. But I really need to just pause and pray and uh, feel free to listen in. This is a prayer that it's really not for you. This is about me and Jesus, but feel free to listen in. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful your word is living and powerful and active and it's not up to me. I simply declare your word and I allow your Holy Spirit to intercede and to impact. And I ask that you open the ears of those who are listening. I ask that the power of the Holy Spirit give us an understanding and an urgency that you convict us of our need to persist and to walk by faith, to embrace your word. If there's anything this morning that would prevent us from receiving from you or hearing from you, I ask that you whisper that into the spirit of those who are listening, that they would be quick to relieve and release and to let go. Oh, Holy Spirit, come upon us. To you be all glory. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. So in Luke chapter 18, and actually chapter 17, the disciples are asking Jesus about end times, and Jesus is going through the process, and he's telling them the things that might happen. And he's basically saying, it's, it's going to happen, but not yet. And he starts off in verse 1 of the 18th chapter saying, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So let's just pause and consider that for a minute. He's talking about end times, and it's going to get bad, and it's getting worse. And of course, those of us in this room, we look around our life, we're like, it wasn't like this 30 years ago. Some of us can say that. Others like, it wasn't like this two years ago. No, it wasn't, was it? And so as it goes on, Jesus is saying, look, now as this progresses, I don't want you to lose heart. You know what lose heart is, right? To lose heart, it's, it's something, some of you yesterday set a goal. I did, I woke up, I'm not going to have any donuts in 2022, and I got to my son's house, and they had a box of donuts. I said, may as well break it early. You lose heart because you set a goal, and you can't reach a goal, and you lose heart. I'm going to lose weight. Well, two days in, it's not going to, but see, you lose heart when what you hope for Proverbs 13 and verse 12 says, hope deferred makes a heart sick. That's, that's, the, that's the description of losing heart. You set your mind on something. You hope for something. It's going to happen. This is going to be a new year. I'm going to lose weight. This is a new year. I'm going to get promotion. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to find something. And then it doesn't happen. You lose heart. And so the, the text of that is that Jesus wanted them to understand prayer and the importance of prayer and the power of prayer. We all know that. If you've been in church any amount of time, if you've known Jesus any amount of time, you know the importance of prayer, you know that you should pray, and you know that prayer is significant to you, and yet, know this, we tend to drift from it. I know that, and I drift, and I don't know why. It's like things happen, and it's like all of a sudden you see the blessing of God and the work of God and the hand of God because you've been praying to God and seeking Him, and then things start happening. You get excited, and you live life, and all of a sudden you kind of drifted from really seeking and pursuing Him. Here's what's interesting. Let's jump over the parable, and let's look at verse 8 as he wraps up the parable. He says, I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. I probably, it's probably in a NIV. Did you do NIV? You did ESV? Wow, how about that? Okay, verse 8. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, here it is. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Wow. What a statement. So what's he talking about? Don't lose heart. Nevertheless, 
When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? What is faith? Well, we learned this. Four different times, starting in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, the righteous live by faith. The righteous walk by faith. It's all about this faith. You come and have salvation, what? By faith. Faith is the essence of things, hope for the conviction of things not seen. So this whole element of faith is incredibly important. In fact, you cannot have a relationship with the Father unless you have faith in the Son. <clears throat> in fact, it tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 6, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is a foundational piece of your relationship with God. You need to have faith. So if you need to have faith, what do you think the enemy of your soul will do in regards to faith? He's going to attack it. Now, let's talk briefly about faith because there's confusion about faith. Faith is not a concept. Faith is not some set of rules or standard. Faith is this. Faith is, and James talks about faith, faith is always an obedient response to the Word of God. That's what faith is. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is an action. Faith is always hearing the Word of God and responding obediently to it. Pray for those who persecute you. What? Really? But you have no idea the pain it caused me. Hmm. See, an act of faith says, in spite of how I feel towards that person, I will pray for God to bless them. That's faith. Forgive. Or the Father won't forgive you. See, that's the scripture. So those who have hurt you, wounded you, wronged you, maligned you, you forgive. Again, the act of forgiveness is not a feeling. It's an act of obeying the Word of God. So this whole thing of faith is about obeying the Word of God. Now here's the secondary piece to that. If you aren't in God's Word regularly, I guarantee you your faith is weak. It's guaranteed. It's like saying I'm going to drive my car all year long without ever putting gas in the tank. Well, if I need to, maybe once a month I'll drop in a couple gallons. Where's that car going? It's not going anywhere. That is the Word of God. That's why it says that the Word of God is living and powerful and active because faith is always responding to the Word of God. If you don't know the Word and you aren't in the Word, and you can't respond by faith to the Word of God. So the Word of God is foundational to understanding and having faith. It tells us about Abraham that he responded to the Word of God and was credited to him as righteousness. So faith and the element of faith is based on the Word of God. Be in the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Embrace the Word of God. I find that as I walk with God and in my prayer life, the Holy Spirit frequently uses Scripture to teach me and direct me in how I should act or respond in any given situation. So Jesus teaches this parable, and he says, Nevertheless, will the Son of Man find faith? That's a real... That's a real test. That's a real impactful statement where I go like, wow, does, will I have it? Will you have it? Will you have faith? Will you be living a life that's obedient to the word of God? Or will you be taking the word of God and saying, I like this one, I don't like that one. I like this one, I don't like that one. And you choose which one you like. See, that's not faith. 
Did I step on your toe yet? You see, as a guest speaker, I can do that. I'm not Pastor Carrie. You don't have to like me. I can just tell it to you like it is. Embracing the Word of God is absolutely critical. Now, let's take a look at the parable because the parable kind of gives us a better idea and a story. And so Jesus wants to give us a better picture of what it looks like. And so verse 2, he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not give, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? This is a great parable. Now the parable, understand, is not a comparative it's not saying God is compared to an unjust judge. That's not what's happening here. But it's a contrast. It's like, well, this is black and this is white. It's just the opposite of. And so you have this unjust judge who is just opposite of a loving heavenly father who is about justice. And so the, the essence of the parable is not a comparative, but a contrast in. And so you have the contrast of this unjust judge and a righteous, holy, loving God. The unjust judge still brings justice to the widow, but she was persistent. Now, this wasn't a Judge Judy kind of thing. I need to kind of give you some descriptive of how this culture worked at this time. They didn't have the same judicial system that we have. In fact, it was kind of appointed this as a judge, and then the judge would go, and he got his salary based on how much people could pay to come before him so that he could make a judgment. And so picture a, uh, a tent with open sides that would move from place to place as the judge would come to town and he would spend a certain amount of time there. And so people with money could go before the judge and they would pay the judge to make a decision. You see how just that is? You're starting to get a picture there? So if you had an issue with somebody else and you had more money, probably you were going to get the judge to swing to your favor. Why? Because he was an unjust judge. If you went to court and somebody had more money than you, probably was not going to rule in your favor. You start to get the picture. She didn't have any money. She didn't have any. But because it's a tent and it's open, she didn't have the resources to stand there. She wasn't going to, even if she did get to go in there, she wasn't going to get justice because she didn't have the money. But what she did do was for being persistent. So picture in your head, here's the judge, there's the people, courts are going on, there's issues going on, people with money are getting their way done, and it's happening. But she's going around the outside of the tent, hollering at the top of the road, bring me justice, bring me justice, I need justice. This judge is like, oh, well, somebody shut that woman up. So what happens is he brings justice for her to get her to be quiet. You got a better picture now? So Jesus is saying to us in the whole picture of prayer, when you think you're going to lose heart, don't stop praying. You with me? You ever been there? You ever been so beat down, you're like, is this it? Is this all you're going to do? Is this it? 
was reflecting with Isaac prior to the service here about what I call my hell on earth. It was a two and a half year period where God had to wreck me so he could use me. There was no success. And I remember riding in the car in Houston, Texas, because I was the only thing I could do was sell books to daycare. Well, that's not very helpful either. But it, it was a horrible time of my life where God was wrecking me and bringing me to the end of me so that he could actually fill and use me and I wouldn't be in the way. And it was at the end of that where prayer was like, you're not listening to anything I say. You don't care. I don't need you. If this is what it is, I quit. I came to Christ when I was four years old. I lived, grew up in a Christian home. I, I was in the church. So saying I quit to Jesus was, was a big deal. It took me a long time to get to that point, but it's, it's like, I lost heart. Let's put it that way. And for three days, the Holy Spirit just whispered, okay, what you going to do with your sin issue? <laughs> ah, at the end of three days, I go, okay, okay, okay. I need you for the sin issue, but all this other stuff, oh, he had to wreck me. There are periods in your life God wants to wreck you so that he can use you. And what Jesus is saying, and this is preemptively, he hasn't had the death and resurrection yet. This is, this is before the grace and the Holy Spirit is released upon the people who believe and receive. And so he's warning them, this is what's going to come. Don't lose heart. And what's so beautiful about that, let's just jump ahead to the Acts chapter 1. You see them gathering in the upper room for prayer. There's 40 days of prayer. Hey, you all should participate in 40 days of prayer. That worked out nice. And then the Holy Spirit came, and they were used, and the Spirit of God moved, and the fruit of God was poured forth, and they saw the purpose of God happen, but it couldn't happen unless they were wrecked first. You ever been through that? Has God wrecked you? If he hasn't, he won't unless if you say something like, here I am, Lord, use me. If you're still living your life about you, you're going to keep pursuing the things you think are important with your way, your will, your agenda, and you'll continue to be unsatisfied and discontent. If you really want to find life, and this is, this is just the verses right above this in chapter 17, if you... Uh, Look at verse 32, the 17th chapter of Luke. It says, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Say, what? This is the pattern of life. No one can look out for you except you. Those are the messages of the world. And that is completely opposite of what Jesus is teaching here. He's teaching us this principle, and that's this. If you really want life, die to it. If you really want to have the work of God, the fullness of God, the presence of God, then you die to you, your way, your will, your agenda, your things. Because then the will of God, who designed you, made you, and understands you, can be fulfilled in you, to you, through you, so that contentment, satisfaction, the fruit of God, the blessing of God, the presence of God can be present. I know, that doesn't make any sense. Until you do it, it doesn't make any sense. 
But the presence of God is far more important, and Jesus is warning us that as you are on the edge of that, there's a temptation to lose heart. I want to try and encourage you that this text be like the widow who is persistent and doesn't lose heart. Let's talk briefly about Job, because Jesus ties up this parable back in verse 8 where he's going, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? What is faith? Faith is being obedient to the Word of God. Here's the Word of God, obeys the Word of God. That's what faith is. The righteous will walk by faith. What is the righteous? The righteous, those who do what is right, hear the Word of God and obey the Word of God. Doesn't mean they agree with it, doesn't mean they like it, doesn't mean they're like, oh, yay, that's good. There's some things there that are really confusing. It's like, I don't really want to do that. As I already mentioned about forgiveness, you ever been burned? I've been burned by people more than once. It gets really old. Y'all hearing that? It's not just in my head. (laughs) Work through it. Help. Stay with me. The Word of God comes to us and gives life. And so what we need to do is embrace the Word of God and live a life not based on how I feel or think about it, but what does God's Word say about it. And the church around the world will grow strong or weak. Awakening will be strong and healthy or weak. You're my my church family. Will grow strong or weak based on whether we pick and choose or embrace the Word of God as the authority of God to lead us in His way and His grace. Y'all bring me a handheld and I'll just hold it and we'll be done with the scratching. I was talking about Job. Let's go very briefly to Job because in the 42nd chapter of Job, this is really, really cool. I don't know, do you guys know the life of Job? The life of Job is this. Job... Um, was one of the wealthiest men and is this thing on? There it is now. Okay, Testing. So the life of Job, one of the wealthiest men, had an incredible amount of faith. So if you want to read the life of Job, go to the middle of your Bible and a little bit to the left, right before the book of Psalm. And so Job gets the attention of God, and then God points that out to Satan and says, Hey, Satan, look at Job. What incredible man of faith. And then Job says, Yeah, but you've got this hedge of protection about him. In other words, the life of Job, walking in obedience and faith in God, protected him and blessed him in such a manner that Satan couldn't touch him. Colossians 3.3 says it this way. He is hidden in Christ Jesus. Unless... God wants to prove something. And that's the story of Job. God gives permission for what shouldn't happen for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, but he gives permission to wreck him so that in the end things go well with him. And so this whole journey of Job comes to the verse 42. So Job, who was wealthy, all of a sudden becomes uh, all of his kids die, all of his wealth is stolen and taken from him, his health is taken from him. And, and it slowly is this journey of having it restored. But I want you to see in the 42nd chapter, the last chapter of Job, in verse 10, it said that the Lord restored the fortunes of Job 
when he had prayed for his friends. Notice that. When we lose heart, our prayer turns inward. When we lose heart, we start praying everything about us. Job was restored when he responded to the word of God, and God said, I need you to go pray for your friends. And Job didn't say, well, I'll do that as soon as you give me health, as soon as you restore to me all that you took. He doesn't do anything other than obey. He hears the word of God. He obeys the word of God. He goes to his friends. He prays for them and their health and their, their life. And then God restored. We cannot dismiss the essence of prayer. Prayer is incredibly important to us. Prayer is not words. Prayer is an attitude and a lifestyle. Prayer is a relationship. Prayer is something that is in response to the Father. We listen to him. Prayer is two-way. Prayer is not just you talking to God. Prayer is also listening. But there's also power in praying. So what happened to Job when Job prayed for his friends? God restored. Here's what I want to talk to you about. One of two things. The first one is this. Make it your understanding that God wants to use you to impact those around you. Like, yeah, 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 I've heard that before, Pastor. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start praying for people, not just saying, hey, I'll pray for you. I want you to pray for them. Wherever you're at, doesn't matter. Pray for them. So, God begins to use you and give you opportunities to pray for people. And so the first thing I want you to understand is that as you pray for others, God's blessing will come to you and through you to those around you. And so pray for them. I don't care where you are. You don't have to be in church. I had my neighbor, when, before we moved here, he was out, and I saw him limping in his front yard. I said, hey, Pete, what's wrong? Oh, I hurt my knee at work. I said, hey, can I pray for you? Uh, Sure. I prayed for my neighbor, Pete. You know what? God didn't heal him. But God did something in him where a couple weeks later I'm talking to him, hey, you know, I was reading my Bible, and, da, 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 and I'm like, Pete, you were reading your Bible? That's cool. I just kept praying for Pete. Saw another guy at the hardware store. We're in the, we're in the front of the nuts and bolts, and he's telling me about his wife in the hospital. Dude, let's pray. We're going to pray in front of the nails. We didn't kneel, but we, we prayed. Why? Because that's our job. See, it's so easy to simply say, oh, man, I'll pray for you. Right? You done that? Guilty as charged. But when I started to say, can I pray for you now? People would just like, really? See, when you ask the Lord, say, Lord, here I am. I'm your servant. Send me. I will pray for whoever you ask me to pray for. It's not your intention. In fact, God will put it on your head. It's like there will be this quick little thought. You should pray for them. When you get that quick little thought, do it. That's being obedient. I, several years ago, I was at a large <clears throat> gathering for the mission down in Lincoln, Nebraska. And they introduced the new mayor. And I thought, oh, that's cool. He's here. And uh, found out he was sitting behind me, and they were all around round tables because there was a meal at the front of it. 
And Laura's like, you should pray for him. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to pray for him. I spent the rest of the evening thinking, wrestling, oh, I don't want to pray for him. Here in public, that's the mayor. I'm not going to pray for the mayor. And it's like, oh, will I obey or not? Okay, Lord, I will. I'll tell you what, Lord, just so I know it's you saying pray for him. If no one's around him and talking to him when this is over, I'll know it's you. So we get done, they dismiss us, and I casually stand up from the table and take my time and slowly turn around. He's standing all alone. I make my way to the new mayor and I say, can I pray for you? And which is common for people, there's kind of like this, uh, okay. And so I took a step closer. <laughs> And I prayed for him, and during that time of prayer, my wife and his wife joined the group, and as he realized this was a genuine prayer, it wasn't this artificial kind of prayer, it was a genuine prayer for God to give him wisdom and to lead us well, he stepped in. It was good. Why? No, I don't say that to highlight me. I say that to say he, God, wants to use you like that with people who desperately need a father. They desperately need a connection in heaven. There was this incredible event, and I want to share this because I love to be uh, in this church and to see this birth. It's happening. I've watched it happen here, but I want to encourage more of you to do this, to embrace it and say, See, the consumer who goes to church and says, well, I don't want to go to church because they don't. It's all about them going to church. They don't understand. This is about God. We're going to him. We're going to worship in him. How can I be used of him? Go and be a servant and pray for whoever it is. It's powerful. It's beautiful. My wife and I, many years ago, we were going to start a church. We went to church, to church, to church. And we went to this one church. And I was like, hi. I already knew the theology was bad in that church, but it was a popular church. So we went to that church. And the music was okay. The sermon was way off scripturally, but we were there. But God met me in that place. My wife and I would often, we would talk about the service afterwards, like, man, Jesus really met me to this morning in this place. I was like, where? How? What? <laughs> because after the pastor said amen, the man behind me engaged in a conversation and persisted, and then he said, let me pray for you. And in his genuine prayer for me, I was brought before the grace of God. And I walked away from that, and I thought, this is so awesome. The music can be bad. The preaching can be bad. As long as people are praying for each other, it's powerful. That's what the real family of God is about. And a, prayer, a church that is prayerless is godless. You can preach from the Word of God all you want. If there is no prayer in that place, God is not in that place because God wants to dwell in the hearts and lives of the people who seek Him. Here's my challenge to you. You don't need any education. You don't need any formality. You don't need anything other than a willingness to say, Lord, you tell me when and what to pray for people. I don't know what to say. I challenged it. When I did my church plan, I, I did that to my leaders, and, and I said, I need every, every one of you to pray for at least one person every Sunday morning or whenever we gather, at least one. One of my elders, a stockbroker, said, well, I can't do that. I said, yes, you can, Jerry. You can do it. You will do it. <laughs> Not an option. You're an elder. He started doing it. God moved in him and through others. It was so beautiful. 
so powerful to literally when the service would get done and I'd go stand at the door to greet people like what Pastor Kerry does here and I would look back and it was a school cafeteria so I could see the whole room of where we had just gathered there would just be pods of people everywhere praying for other people and it was so powerful I knew that that's where guys and people were encountering God and and having this so here's here's my challenge to you for 2022 and that is this say the Lord hear my Put people in front of me, and I'll pray for them. That's what I'm asking you to do, to pray for those who God would put in your life. He'll do it. I've prayed for governors and mayors, people I don't know, people I do know. Why? Because I said, here here am I. I'll pray. Here's the second thing I really want you to do, and that's this, is understand that the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. Listen to him. Don't discount. Don't dismiss. Understand this. God is wanting to reveal himself, and God so loved the world that he gave. So when he says he loved the world, there's no one outside of that. I don't care who you're standing in front of. God loves them. I don't know what, I don't, it doesn't matter what kind of defilement, what kind of history they have. God loves them. Pray for them. One quick story. I had a man in my church. I hope I haven't told this story here. And he quit coming to church. And one day he showed up at my office briefly and he said, you know, hey, Pastor, I know I haven't been there. I, I asked for the meeting. And he gave me several excuses why. And it was a short conversation. But I basically said, hey, Todd, tell me, just give me one thing. What would you ask God for? And, you know, when somebody loses heart, they get silly. And he goes, I need a new pair of tennis shoes. I went, all right. You can ask God for anything. And you ask him for tennis shoes? Yes. Okay. It was a short prayer that went something like this. Lord, I know you love Todd immensely, and he simply wants a pair of tennis shoes. So show him how much you love him and give him a pair of tennis shoes. In Jesus' name, amen. And he goes, like, well, that was a silly prayer. And I said, it's a silly request. Anyway, about a month later, he sheepishly shows up at church in new tennis shoes. Why? Because that week, as he was driving down the street, there was a shoebox on the street. He stopped and picked it up. It was a brand new pair of tennis shoes, size 13, that fit his feet. And now every time he straps on his shoes, he's reminded that God loves him. Silly request? Yeah. Does God care? Yes, he loves everyone. And so when you're praying for somebody, understand this. God loves them, and he will use you to reveal his love to them. The prayer is not judgmental. The prayer is simply, Lord, I know you love them. I know that, that they long to have a connection with you. So in Jesus' name, minister, you don't need to get details. If you know any details, that's great. Simple. Be used by God to pray for others. I don't know if this is true of you. I have a tremendous amount of faith when I pray for others because I think God loves them. I, I don't think, I know God loves them. Here's how the enemy works on us. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not that lovable. So I have a harder time praying for me and believing it than praying for others. I think the stunning thing for me after 37 years of ministry is 
when I have someone say, hey, can I pray for you? And I was like, uh, sure. And they pray this beautiful prayer. Oftentimes, I haven't said what it was, but they say something that ministers. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is involved. And, uh, and it's at those moments where I realized it doesn't matter how old you are in your faith. You need people to pray for you. It's a powerful thing. You want to change the culture of this church? You all start praying for each other as you receive prayer. Don't say, oh, no, 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 that's okay. I'm more mature. I don't need to pray. I should be praying for you. Oh, come on, get over yourself. Allow people to pray for you. Pray for others. Receive prayer. Pray for one another. Here's what's so beautiful in James chapter 5 and verse 16. He says this, is that as they confessed their sins one to another, they were healed. Healing to you comes as you pray for others, just as the book of Job. Job began to pray for others, and healing came into his life. So Jesus told this parable so that they would persist in prayer and not lose heart. Let's pray. As you bow your head, I want you to just simply consider before the Lord Jesus, have you been faithful in prayer? Have you dismissed those that God wanted to use in prayer by simply saying to them, oh, I'll pray for you, but forgot? Determined this morning that you will pray for others as you encounter them, no matter where you are or what the situation is. Make yourself available to be used by God, and then receive from him. Have ears to hear what the Spirit of the living God is saying as we give ourselves to the church family, the body of Christ, praying for one another, that the grace of God would be bestowed upon you and through you. Say to him, here I am, I am willing. Amen. Thank you, Pastor David, for giving a great message on prayer. As we go today, if you guys are in need of prayer, I, we have our prayer area over here to your guys' right, and there will be somebody there who can pray over you in that time or ask a neighbor to as well. But as we go, I just want to close with a letter to Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3, 20 through 21, if you guys will stand with me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurable more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. And this week, practice out what Pastor David had said and living life in faith through prayer. You guys are dismissed.